It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. Whether it's DraftKings Fantasy App, DraftKings Sportsbook App, they got some unbelievable deals this week. For March Madness NTA Tournament, trust me, just make sure you use the code Ross when you get those apps on your phone. Ross, that's me, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We even have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Be great to watch Joe Dolan and myself on the Fantasy Feast podcast if you haven't previously. I've got an orange shirt on today. Joe has an orangish hat, so wait for you to see that momentarily. Andrew Brandt was awesome on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast this morning, talking about free agency thus far, which actually technically doesn't start for two and a half hours. What an absolute joke. As far as the Even Money Podcast, man, I mentioned DraftKings and the NCAA Tournament. You got to listen to what Steve Fezzik and my new best friend Brad Wachtel said about March Madness, where you should put your money, how you should do your brackets. These guys know. They know. Make sure you listen. It's only like 28 minutes. Make sure you listen. The star of this show is Joe Dolan. I already referenced him. Most of you already know that. He is the number one ranked fantasy analyst, according to fantasypros.com, over the last five years. He's got the orange hat, which I think sort of clashes with your reddish pinkish shirt, if I'm being honest, Joe. Well, Ross, you know, we're we're, we're both wearing orange because it's St. Patrick's Day, obviously. That was our that was our <laughs> that was our coordination. Now I just put this damn thing on because I I'm not having a good hair day. So I'm uh I wanted to just put this on. I I had it in my office. I have these hats all over so I can uh, not offend too many people. It does clash though, I gotta admit that, Ross. Yeah, you know what not- though? Hopefully more people go to youtube.com yeah. slash Ross Tucker NFL to check it out. What you should absolutely check out is fantasypoints.com. That's the site Joe owns with the Guru and Scott Barrett and Graham Barfield and really all the fantasy superstars that are out there. Fantasypoints.com. We got a new code for you, 21FEAST. So when you sign up for this year, again, use the code 21FEAST so they know what year it is. You can't know reuse the FEAST code, Ross. It cannot be reused, so we put a new code out there for people. Yes, the one last year FEAST cannot be renewed so use 21 feast to sign up for this year check out joe on social at fg underscore dolan i mean joe it's pretty simple what we got to do today and next week and maybe even the week after that we got to talk about Mm -hmm. these guys i mean we got to talk about where these guys landed and what it means from a fantasy perspective there's a bunch of quarterbacks so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go running back and wide receiver because there really aren't as many to actually talk about. Right, Joe, there's not. Which I think is interesting. So, But let's make sure we get to them. Aaron Jones is back in Green Bay. Four years, $48 million. Interestingly, it's two years, $20 million, and then we'll see. 
And, and right. And that's the way running backs are these days, Ross. Unfortunately, that's the kind of deal that they have to get. And it's you know, we you talk with Greg Cosell about I'm sure you've talked with Andrew Brandt about the, the business for running backs. It's a cold world. So Aaron Jones, who, quite frankly, has been one of the most underpaid players in football the last four years relative to his level of production. I am glad he cashed in at least somewhat. But from a fantasy perspective, this is good news because Jamal Williams is moving on, and we will get to that. Um, Aaron Jones is going – we know he can work in a split backfield. We've already seen it. We've seen him split with Jamal Williams. As a matter of fact, Aaron Jones – your, uh, attempt rushing attempts per game fell from 14.8 to 14.4 over the last two seasons. That was 2019 to 2020. But his receptions per game increased from 3.1 to 3.4 from 2019 to 2020. That is where I think he's going to make his hay for fantasy, splitting the backfield now with A.J. Dillon, who is much more of that bruising type of running back. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Aaron Jones catch upwards of four passes a game. And that's significant because we know, based on research that my guy Scott Barrett at Fantasy Points has done, that a target for for a running back is worth in fantasy in PPR roughly 2.5 times as much as a carry. I think Aaron Jones's carries might continue to fall to the 12, 13 per game range, maybe somewhere in the range of where you look at an Alvin Kamara. But with AJ Dillon probably playing more of a bruising role, and I think Aaron Jones playing on all of the passing downs for the Green Bay Packers, I think this is a great move for fantasy. Jamal Williams is gone. Aaron Jones is a locked-in first-round pick. I am glad to see him back in Green Bay, and he is going to be able to continue doing what he does best. Okay, so is it a reception is worth 2.5 times a carry or just a target? A target. Wow. That's a real – Now keep in mind, Ross, that running back targets are – I mean, they're often open. They're often check downs. You know, they're in the short field. So running backs are regularly catching 70, 75, 80% of their targets, which is an absurd number for, for a wide receiver to get to. Very few wide receivers who are downfield options get to that level of number. So for the most part, when a running back is targeted, you have a reasonable expectation that the running back is going to haul that target in. But just just think about it. I mean, um, say a running back catches four out of targets – and he averages eight yards per reception, okay? That's going to be 7.2 points in a PPR league. Uh, If you give a running back four carries, he basically needs to either go 72 yards or get in the end zone on one of those carries for that carry to even come close to replicating a target. So, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at just, we want our running backs, like, if my running back caught 100 passes in the year, I wouldn't give a crap and get a carry. I mean, that that's just the way we look at it, that running back position when we're playing PPR for fantasy. Okay. Um, I would say, too, for Aaron Jones, he might only be splitting carries with one other guy rather than two other guys mm-hmm. because Jamal Williams lands in Detroit. Interesting spot for him, Joe. Uh, that, that's one word <laughs> you can put, you can put on it, Ross. Um, I hate this landing spot, and I love Jamal Williams. Um, he's somebody who I've talked to. Um, I actually, right after a game two years ago, remember when Aaron Jones was hurt down the stretch for Green Bay? Jamal Williams was carrying teams to fantasy championships uh, with his production in Green Bay, 
And I thanked him on air. I was like, dude, thank you. You just won me a championship. He was receptive. I think every – he's a beloved player in Green Bay, just energetic, looks like a great teammate. Both he and Aaron Jones kind of fed off of each other. But now, unfortunately for our game, not – not. hey, I'm glad Jamal Williams clearly probably took the best money was offered. But for our game, this is not a great landing spot because while Jamal Williams was able to function in a split backfield effectively with Aaron Jones in Green Bay, that's a good team with Hall of Fame quarterback. The Detroit Lions are neither of those things. Uh, Jared got maybe they draft a guy, but Jared Goff right now we, we view as the quarterback. And the big problem here is what does this do to DeAndre Swift? I'm not knocking Swift too much because I just I really believe in the talent of that kid. But I think when you're looking at, at Detroit being what might max out a four or five win team this year, and maybe I'm being generous. I think people are going to have a lot of trouble looking at, at him in the second round and saying, am I going to take him or am I going to take this really good wide receiver? Am I going to take DeAndre Swift? I need a running back, but am I going to take DeAndre Swift or am I going to take Justin Jefferson? And, you know, people never, fantasy players never want to get behind at the running back position. But this is going to pulling the trigger on DeAndre Swift in the second round. It's going to make it a lot harder pill to swallow for some people because Jamal Williams is there. And Jamal Williams has a three down still set. He's not anywhere near as explosive as DeAndre Swift. We understand that. But he's a capable grinder. He's a good receiver, and he's a beloved guy in the locker room. He brings an energetic, competitive presence to the field. That's kind of that's the kind of stuff that I think coaches love. And I would not be shocked if if Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn just uh, overused Jamal Williams based on the contract he just got. I do not love this landing spot, frankly, because I don't expect the Lions to be very good. Some other running back deal. It's been quiet. Very so. much so. Carson, Fournette, Drake, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, all still out there. Mark Ingram signed a deal with the Houston Texans. Uh, Carlos Hyde with the Jags. Devontae Booker with the Giants. Any of these guys fantasy relevant at all, or should we move no. on to the wide receivers? None of them are fantasy relevant. There is one I do want to uh, point out. Uh, how about Daryl Williams re-signing with the Chiefs? And they surprisingly cut Damian Williams. Uh, talking about the plight of, of the running back, Damian Williams opts out of the COVID season to take care of his mother who was diagnosed with cancer, and then he gets cut at the just absolutely brutal business. Um Daryl Williams, right now, if you don't want to spend money or a draft pick to get a number two, he could be the number two in Kansas City. And we know you can produce in that offense. And Malcolm Brown signed with the Dolphins. But it looks like, according to Cameron Wolf, their, uh, their, their ESPN beat writer, the Dolphins are going to expand that back in the draft. They didn't want to spend too much money in free agency. It looks like they're going to attack that position in the draft. So maybe Malcolm Brown, who uh, kind of was a mentor Cam Akers, L.A. last year, does the same thing in Miami. Let's get to the receivers. Uh, Allen Robinson, franchise tag back in Chicago. Chris Godwin, franchise tag with the Bucks. I don't know if there's anything to say there about either one of those. Uh, not really. Um, the thing about Allen Robinson, and uh, I mean, we know uh, it, it's impossible to separate the Allen Robinson discourse from the quarterback discourse. And I know you just want to hop into the running back and wide receivers, but uh, I guess Andy Dalton is the best quarterback. Allen Robinson's ever played with, and that says way more about the, the, the quarterbacks that Allen Robinson has played with uh, than it does about Dalton. Uh, I, I, look, Allen Robinson's quarterback proof, so I, 
if you think if you think Dalton's an upgrade or a downgrade on Trubisky, Allen Robinson's quarterback proof, and he's probably going to slot into that third round yet again. Uh, if they had gotten Russell Wilson, and the report was they made an extensive offer, your boy Dan Patrick Ross reporting that they made a massive offer uh, for Russell Wilson. It, I would think that would push Allen Robinson into the second round if they were to land that. Maybe you still get a discount on Allen Robinson. Godwin, I think you should value him the same exact way you valued him last year. A little bit up and down, probably in that fourth round range for, for receivers. But those were two guys who I think their, their, their teams really needed to keep. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Sammy Watkins – among the guys we might be talking about next week. Go ahead. Can I break some news to you? Yeah. Right as we came on air, Adriel Jeremiah Green agreed to a deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting. So, I, I at times, he was the least effective receiver in football last year. And you know it, it was evident that T. Higgins was better than A.J. Green last year. Does a change of scenery help things out for A.J. Green? Um I'm not too sure about that. Is this the last chance for Christian Kirk to really make a significant impact? Because, you know, I I was of the mind that Arizona could actually spend up at the wide receiver position if they chose. I mean, they they bolstered that defense with J.J. Watt. Um, They've made things so much – they're going for it this year. Let's put it that way. Um, but I wonder if they might even be in on the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes, the Will Fuller sweepstakes, to try to improve that position opposite DeAndre Hopkins. This A.J. Green signing, which I think has about $6 million guaranteed, that's at least what I just saw, suggests that maybe they're not going to be in on that high-end receiver market. They're going to try to milk a good season out of Green. But I think this might be a mini referendum on Christian Kirk. I thought it would be a huge one if they had signed Galladay or Will Fuller. But this one is, hey, come on, man. You got to step up and produce on a more consistent basis than he has. But uh, A.J. Green is not somebody I'm terribly interested in for fantasy. What about Corey Davis? Three years, $37.5 million with the Jets, including $27 million guaranteed. Yeah, this uh, on the surface, you might look at this, oh, classic Jets coming off a career year. They overpay a guy. Um, they overpay a guy coming off a career year, and they're going to they're gonna regret the deal. But, you know, he's really effective uh, by yards per route run, um, uh, four, according to Pro Football Focus, at 2.58. Um, his yards per reception was above 15. His catch rate was above 70%. Now, that was in that very efficient Titan offense. But here's the big question. Who's throwing Corey Davis the ball? And uh, until I see that, uh, look, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle came out today and said he expects Deshaun Watson will be traded. Two months ago, that was not what the song that he was singing. He said today he expects Deshaun Watson will be traded. And you would think the New York Jets with the number two overall pick in that draft are going to be in on the talks for Deshaun Watson if Deshaun Watson is indeed a double trade. If that's the case, Corey Davis to the moon, man. Like, uh, I'd love Corey Davis if Deshaun Watson were the quarterback for the New York Jets. So maybe you're doing best balls right now and that there's that Corey Davis. He went to the Jets. Like, why couldn't he go somewhere like the Cardinals where, where maybe they have a better offense, even if he wouldn't be the number one receiver? Why couldn't he go somewhere like that? Why couldn't he sign with the Chiefs who could use something opposite Tyree Kill? Maybe you're getting a discount on Corey Davis right now because, look, at the bare minimum, I think – I do not believe Sam Darnold's coming back. 
at the bare minimum, I think that second pick is going to be used to upgrade the quarterback position, whether it be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever they like. It could be you could you could flop the nuts if you draft Corey Davis in the ninth round right now, and they get Deshaun Watson, and all of a sudden he's Deshaun Watson's number one receiver, and we know how Deshaun Watson uh, gets, fills targets to DeAndre X receiver like he did with with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe you can get a discount on Corey Davis right now, but to provide a full analysis of him, I want to see who's pulling the trigger, throwing the ball in that New York Jets offense. Marvin Jones. To Jacksonville, Nelson Aguilar to the Patriots, Kendrick Bourne to the Patriots, Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo. Which of these, if any, am I caring the most about? Uh, probably Marvin Jones, uh, because I think he will be a great fit opposite uh, DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Um, and, and I think that it, it kind of gives them a 1A, a 1B, a younger guy who's flashed, but maybe has been inconsistent thanks to some inconsistent quarterback play. And uh, Marvin Jones has just always, uh, when, if ever outperforming his ADP shows up in the dictionary, Marvin Jones' picture will be next to it. That guy is always the most boring, like, ninth-round pick in fantasy, and he always produces, like, a fifth or a sixth-rounder. Even after it looked like he was dead at the beginning of last season, he came alive when Kenny Galladay went down, carried some teams to some championships. So Marvin Jones is the guy I'm probably caring the most about. Emmanuel Sanders is interesting in Buffalo because Emmanuel Sanders is replacing John Brown, who signed with the Raiders. And... John Brown's replacing Nelson Aguilar, who signed with the Patriots. Uh, so there's that, that kind of relationship there going on. Um, but Emmanuel Sanders is interesting because I think people are going the, – the, the, the surface reaction is going to be, all right, he's going to play X. He's going to play some of that slot because that's what John Brown played last year. John Brown was the X in Buffalo's offense. I think this is a buying opportunity on Gabriel Davis. I know for a fact Buffalo loves that kid. I uh, Like, um, our guy Adam Kaplan at, at FantasyPoints.com was telling us all season long that Buffalo was going to cut John Brown at the end of the season because they like Gabriel Davis as their ex. Buffalo adding another receiver might slow the fantasy hype train on Gabriel Davis. I want to use this as a buying opportunity in Dynasty, um, in best ball, you're going to still be able to get Gabriel Davis in double-digit rounds, and I think that is a great investment to make because he flashed big time last year, and we know Buffalo was one of the pass-heaviest teams in the entire NFL, surprisingly so to me, but Josh Allen took the big step forward. Gabriel Davis is a guy I'm still extremely interested in uh, getting onto my best ball teams this year for sure. Tight ends. The top of the market for the tight ends has been active. We've got Hunter Henry – with the Patriots. Rob Gronkowski back with the Bucks. Jonu Smith with the womp Patriots. Womp. What does it mean, Joe, for fantasy purposes that two of the four highest paid tight ends in the league are on the same team? Talk to me about Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Well, uh, obviously it means Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels were not able to do last year what they really wanted to do, which is run 12 personnel, and they are going to run it into the ground this year, uh, quite obviously. Um and right now, as we stand, the quarterback of, of the Patriots is Cam Newton. Now, th- could that change? Sure, they could trade up for somebody. Uh, Mac Jones, maybe they, they're on trade against, so though I think you're going to have to trade into the top five to get him. Um, maybe there's another quarterback that they like in the draft. The Cam Newton contract does not preclude them from, from acquiring somebody to improve that position. 
But when I look at the tight ends, I think this indicates that they are still going to be a run-heavy football team. I think this is something that where they believe that um, – look, we can't run it back like we did with Tom Brady. we got Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne to stretch the field on the outside now, but this is going to be a condensed offense that's going to be focused to the middle of the field. Um, I, for fantasy purposes, and maybe my, my take will change on this after it simmers a little bit more, I still prefer Johnny Smith, even though they signed Hunter Henry. Um, Johnny Smith is somebody who I view as uh, – untapped potential now of course everybody's out there saying and maybe the patriots did overpay oh my god they overpaid for a guy who's never had 500 um who's never had 500 yards in a season but look at look at the facts john smith ran a route ran a route on only 50 percent of the titans passing plays last year he was into block a lot after they lost taylor luan the left tackle so he's a good blocker first and foremost which indicates to me that they want, they want to run the football in New England. But John U. Smith was somebody who, because he was a good blocker, was utilized in that area more so than maybe you would have thought. And I think this is a guy who Bill Belichick called the best tight end he's seen after the catch in the NFL. He said that uh, before the Patriots lost to the Titans in the playoffs last year, Tom Brady's final game. In New England. And you know this is a guy who's been on Bill Belichick's radar. And we've seen the Titans utilize uh, – Johnu Smith out of the backfield, not just as a as a receiver, but as a runner. And look, we saw we saw the Patriots do that stuff with Aaron Hernandez too when Aaron Hernandez was a football player. So I think they plan on using Johnu Smith in an exceptionally creative way. I think they had their eye on this player for a long time. I think they were going to go after Johnu Smith no matter what, um, even if they thought it was overpaying. I think they believe this is the kind of player they can build their offensive attack around. Maybe that sounds like I'm that, that like I'm overselling this for a guy who again has never had 500 receiving yards in a season. But I think Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are looking at this like a player who they believe is being was essentially miscast in Tennessee. We saw them do that years ago. They're always looking to improve on a player who um, they believe another team is is utilizing poorly. We saw it years ago when they traded for Wes Welker. When they traded for, uh, I think they traded a second round pick for Wes Welker. And and the fans were like, what? We traded for this guy? I think that's kind of how they view Johnny Smith. Somebody who was underutilized in Tennessee I think he could have a very multiple role in New England. The question becomes, how much volume? And with the addition of Hunter Henry, with the addition of Nelson Aguilar, with the addition of Kendrick Bourne, they're apparently checking in on some of the top running backs on the market as well. Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, yet another indication. I think this team's going to be rush heavy. That is the big question as it, when it comes to Jonu Smith. I'm still going to slot him in there around tight end, between tight end seven and nine, I think, on my rankings. And Henry, probably somewhere in the similar range, seven to nine, 10 to 12. Um, they're going to run more 12 personnel than any team in football. It, it, it's a guarantee right now they're spending more on the tight end position than anybody. But Jonu Smith is particularly interesting to me still because I think he can be used in multiple ways by the New England Patriots. Gronk as a fantasy tight end in 2021, Joe. Uh, high end tight end two for fantasy um, in best balls. Uh, somebody who maybe if you if you draft a Jonu Smith, 
Um, and then you're like, oh, I need a tight end too really quick because I'm not really sure what his role is going to be. Gronk's going to be there in that tight end 13 to 14 range. I expect his snaps will probably go down a little bit. Um, but Brady, as you saw, loved throwing to him in the playoffs. They, he goes to him in big spots. The question is, is he going to be used more like he was in the regular season this past year where he wasn't a huge target, but when the, when the going got tough and the Buccaneers needed to score touchdowns and win games, that's where Tom Brady focused his attention. Uh, before I forget, Joe, should Tyrell Williams be on my radar in best ball drafts uh, for a couple big games with the Lions when they're running the ball and a couple play action passes? Yeah, 18th round, 15th, 15, 16th round maybe. I mean, look, he's the most accomplished receiver on that team, which, I mean, uh, Jared Goff has supported a good downfield receiver in the past, but he's re- that part of his game has really waned for, for Jared Goff. And obviously Tyrell Williams has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. He is a double digit round flyer again, because I don't really trust the quarterback situation there with the lions, but he is the most accomplished receiver on the team. So he's going to play. Okay. Let's get to the quarterbacks. And we haven't even talked about Dak. Have we Joe? Uh, I mean, uh, the thing about Dak is the take kind of remains the same. Like this was a team now. Now I think the Cowboys hope would be Dak Prescott doesn't have to produce at record breaking pace because their defense is so freaking bad the way it was last year. He was on pace to throw for over 6,000 yards and attempt over 800 passes, both of which would have shattered NFL records. And that was because the defense was so bad. And of course they have those good receivers. Um, I want to keep an eye on his, his health. He, he thinks he's going to be good to go for training camp. You wonder if the rushing numbers are going to come down a little bit, but locked in top, top five fantasy pick, presuming there's no setbacks for him. Out of the other guys that have, that have signed, Jameis Winston with the Saints, Ryan Fitzpatrick with Washington, Cam Newton, New England, Andy Dalton, Chicago. I'm not going there with Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor right now. But out of the other guys, who's the most fantasy relevant in your mind? Uh, the quarterbacks? Yes. Fitz magic, baby. It's magic. He's going to the team. He's going to start. Um, and what, here's the thing that's going to happen in Washington. Fitzmagic is going to be significantly, significantly more aggressive than uh, Alex Smith was last year. I mean, look at this. Uh, in Miami, Fitzmagic last year, he threw into a tight window per next-gen stats more aggressively than anybody in the NFL. Um, but he also averaged 7.4 average depth of target on his passes in Miami compared to 6.7 for Dwayne Haskins. And 4.8 for Alex Smith. Alex Smith's average depth of target was the lowest among quarterbacks with 50 or more pass attempts per Sports Info Solutions. So they are going to get more aggressive in the passing game. And, I mean, just send Terry McLaurin to the moon. Uh, Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been amazing at supporting fantasy relevance for two receivers basically his entire career, as our guy Scott Barrett has, uh, has, has deduced. Terry McLaurin is probably going to average between 9 and 10 targets per game this year. That is going to be enough for him to just create some absolute explosive weeks. Fourth round is not too early for Terry McLaurin. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, though this deal doesn't preclude Washington from trying to improve at the quarterback position or even maybe um, allowing Taylor Heineke to compete at some point, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick just raises the ceiling of this entire offense. And quite frankly, I expect Washington will do something else at the wide receiver position opposite uh, opposite Terry McLaurin. 
And that could push Fitzmagic into the intriguing quarterback two range for best balls. Um, if, if it looks like he's going to be starting and I'm drafting him in the summer, I'm going to be selecting Ryan Fitzpatrick in that quarterback 19 to quarterback 24 range when I'm drafting my second quarterback. Interesting. So you like Fitz more than Jameis in New Orleans, Cam in well, New England, or Andy Dalton in Chicago? Well, I think Fitzmagic right now has the, be- uh, has the best shot of those guys to start a full season, quite frankly. We know Jameis and Taysom Hill are going to compete for the job. Chicago is still going to continue to make every overture possible for Russell Wilson. Andy Dalton will not preclude them from doing that. And I still am not ruling out the Patriots drafting a quarterback in the first round. But in the event Cam Newton is the starter, he's my favorite of that group. Because believe it or not, even in his terrible season he had last year, he finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback in eight of his 15 starts. That's the same number of top 12 finishes that Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill had. So even even in a season which he threw eight touchdown passes, Cam Newton finished eight times as a top 12 fantasy quarterback because of that rushing production and those 12 rushing touchdowns. So if you were to guarantee me Cam starts the entire year, I'm drafting Cam as a top 15 fantasy quarterback. But that is a hard thing to guarantee right now. Love it, Joe. Terrific work as always. Next week, we should have a bunch of running backs and wide receivers landing in new spots to talk about. You got to think at some point, this market will shake out a little bit more. Again, we're, it's funny to talk about this. We're, we're more than two hours away from it actually starting, but there's been so many other movement that that's where we are right now. Check this man out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. You should absolutely watch how Joe's hat clashes with his shirt at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Take $4 to DraftKings, bet it on an underdog using the code Ross. If they win, you get $256 in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Do it. DraftKings Sportsbook app, turn $4 into $256. And check us out, certainly, on social at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker Pod. I am stuffed. We're finished. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.